Now we're going to pick up in John 7. We're going to start in verse 14 and go all the way to 31. So John chapter 7, uh, verses uh, 14 through 31. Let me, uh, I'll read those verses together for us. Now, about the middle of the feast, Jesus went up to the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled, saying, How does this man know letters, having never studied? And Jesus answered and said to them, My doctrine is not mine, mine but, he, but his who sent me. If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak of my own authority. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. Did not Moses give give you the law, yet none of you keeps the law? Why do you seek to kill me? The people answered and said, You have a demon. Who is seeking to kill you? Jesus answered and said to them, I did one work, and you all marvel. Moses therefore gave you circumcision, not that it is from Moses, but from the fathers, and you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath, so that the law of Moses should not be broken, are you angry with me because I made a man completely well on the Sabbath? Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. Now some of them from Jerusalem said, Is this not he whom they seek to kill? But look, he speaks boldly, and they say nothing to him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is truly the Christ? However, we know where this man is from. But when the Christ comes, no one knows where he is from. Then Jesus cried out as he taught in the temple, saying, You both know me, and you know where I am from. And I have not come and I have not come from of myself, but he who has sent me is true, whom you do not know. But I know him, for I am from him, and he sent me. Therefore they sought to take him, but no one laid a hand on him, because his hour had not yet come. And many of the people believed in him and said, When the Christ comes, will he do more signs than these which this man has done? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time this morning. Father, as we open your word, we ask that uh, you be our teacher here this morning. We pray that uh, the Holy Spirit will illumine our hearts and our minds. And Father, we ask that uh, you change us. Use your word uh, to change us. Use your truth uh, to change us today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, as we have, uh, or we'll see in this section uh, of Scripture, um, the reality here is they are challenging uh, Jesus. They are challenging his credentials, and it's obvious that that no man's credentials uh, have ever been more challenged by the religious communities than Jesus. So John tells us that he went up to Jerusalem. Remember, this is the feast, and he taught in the temple. Verse. 15, it says, And the Jews marveled, saying, How does this man know letters, having never studied? Okay, what, let's, let's look at this for a minute. Let's look at this question. So all the, the learned men of the day, the Pharisees, uh, the scribes, and the others, they all studied under the religious fathers, the, 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 um, the seminary professors, if you, would, if you would have, of the day, okay? And so... They're kind of sitting back on their high horse a little bit, saying, they're looking at Jesus and they're basically asking, uh, where's your diploma? Do you have a diploma? Do you have a master's of divinity? Who did you study under? Where, 
show us where you get this this knowledge from. Uh, where, where did where, who did you study under, Mister Jesus? What what you know? Who did you sit under? How many how many credit hours in theology do you have? Okay, this is the this is this is the 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 heart issue behind this question. That's what they're asking, right? Uh, they they knew, okay, they knew he had no formal training in schooling as they did. They knew that, and so they wondered, how is it that you teach us? That's where they're coming from. How is it that you teach us? Of course, this is the same Jesus who you remember at the age of 12. You remember what happened, right? Uh, When uh, Jesus was left behind, he was in the... uh, Where did they find him? He was in the temple discussing and and talking with the religious leaders. And and you remember, he had amazed them with his knowledge and understanding at the age of 12. So, where did he get his education? That's still the question, right? Well... Jesus himself tells us where he gets his education from. Verse 16 through 18, he says, My doctrine is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak of my own authority. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true and no unrighteousness is in him. In other words, Jesus was saying what? This this doctrine is not my own invention. I did not come up with this. It came from another source. It came from another uh, source altogether. Now, if uh, we were to poll uh, Christians today, and, and Dr. Sproul posed this question in his commentary, if, he's, if we were to pose Christians today and ask, Where did Jesus get all his knowledge from? Where did he get all the knowledge from, especially the knowledge that he displays in the temple? Well, most people would probably say, well, you know, he's God, right? That's true. Jesus is God, isn't he? And so the logic is that since Jesus is God, then he has all knowledge. And he doesn't need to go to school or he doesn't need to study. Under anyone else. Another question that 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 uh, Doctor Sproul posed. Let me ask you this. He says, "When when Jesus was a baby, an infant, lying in the manger, did he know that the world was round? The people at the time remember didn't know the world was round. Did he? When he's a baby, when he's lying in the manger, did he know the world was round?" Okay, the answer, as he as Doctor Spur provides, is basically no. He did not. As a baby, Jesus didn't know the world was round. At least when we consider the fact that he is fully human. Okay, Jesus, the fully human man. It's impossible that as an infant, that as a fully human person, that he would know that the world was round. Now. Because when we consider these two things, the, 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 the fact that Jesus had a human nature, um, that the human nature of Jesus, the fully human nature of Jesus, had to grow in knowledge and understanding of the things of God. We have, we have Scripture to back this up, right? Uh, Luke uh, 2. This was after, we, we said earlier, when, when Jesus was left behind, you remember? He's, he's, he's back at the temple. They find Him. He's discussing all these things with the scholars, and so after his, his mom and dad, you know, find him, 
and they get ready to leave. What does Luke tell us? Luke tells us in chapter 2, verse 52, and this is so Jesus as a young man. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and the understanding of the things of God. Jesus, the human being, increased in knowledge. So what does that mean? He didn't have all knowledge. Jesus, the human being. You can't, if you have all knowledge, you can't increase in knowledge, can you? The human nature of Jesus did not come equipped with the divine attribute of omniscience. Okay? Jesus, the human being, did not possess omniscience. Now, if we were to think, uh, let our think ourselves about the, the, the human nature, uh, if, we, if we start to think, well, okay, Jesus as a human, He, he had some of these divine attributes, we, we slip into a very serious ancient heresy that basically said that the divine nature of God swallowed up the human nature. Excuse me, the divine nature of Jesus swallowed up the human nature of Jesus. That is not the way it is. That is not uh, the way it happens. We, we must remember to recognize the limits of Jesus' knowledge on the human nature side. Let's, we, can, we can look at another example, right? There's another, there are other examples of the limits of His knowledge. We see it in Mark 13.32. Remember what the disciples asked Him about the day and the hour of His return? What, what was His answer? But of that, this is Jesus speaking. But of that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. What did Jesus says He didn't know the hour of His return. Clearly, Jesus put a limit on His knowledge about the future. Now, I know if, if your mind's kind of swirling a little bit, that's okay. Okay, that, That's okay, right? Because even the greatest minds uh, of church history have struggled to understand how Jesus could not know about His return. Uh, the scholar Thomas Aquinas, he attempted to, uh, he dealt with this issue and he attempted to answer it by saying that Jesus had to know. He was God. He was God incarnate. And this is, there is a perfect unity between the human nature and the divine nature. So what he did is he developed what he called the accommodation theory. And basically said that Jesus really did know, but the knowledge that he had was too holy. It was, it was too high for him to even discuss it with human beings. So Jesus, Jesus didn't want to go into some lengthy explanation about all these things as to why he couldn't reveal the day. So he basically told the disciples, I don't know. Thank you. And that would have been a lie. Now, if Jesus told a lie, we have no salvation. Right? Jesus, if Jesus told a lie, we had no salvation. So, in R.C. pointing out, okay, I hear you, Tom, I hear you, Aquinas, but it's a really nice way out. Except, if that's true, then the point, then Jesus would have lied. And so, we have to stop there with that theory. We say, no, we reject that. There's no way that Jesus lied. So, 
RC added, so he said, so I prefer not to go through all those mental gymnastics. You've heard him say that. And simply do what? Take the Lord at His Word. What's so hard about that? Well, it is hard sometimes, right? To take the Lord at His Word. But in this particular uh, circumstance, or this, this particular issue, we should just take the Lord at His Word. Well, when, when Jesus says that there is something that He does not know, He's obviously referring to His own human nature, isn't He? He's obviously referring to His own human nature. The, the church has embraced uh, the dual nature of Christ, right? We, there's a, there's a, a theological term. Who remembers what the term is? It's, it's called, yes, so she's whispering, whispering, the hypostatic union. Okay, big words, right? They basically say what? He is truly God, He's divine, and He's truly man, human. One person, two natures. The hypostatic union, right? Now, to understand this correctly, we need to understand that His divine nature has all the attributes of divinity. And His human nature had all the attributes and limitations of humanity. Now, we can, with... uh, I guess with a little bit of understanding that there is there's paradox here, right? We can't fully explain this. Okay, it's okay. We're talking about things of God here, right? We can't fully explain God, right? But but we can distinguish between them, but we cannot separate them. Okay, and there's a difference. We can distinguish between the two natures of Jesus, but we cannot. Separate them. Dr. Sproul offered an illustration to help us understand this. Humans are made up of what? Body and soul. Right? Human beings made up of body and soul. We can, we can distinguish between them, right? Your, your physical side and your non-physical side. And we can, we can do that without doing any damage. However, if we separate your body from your soul, what happens? We kill you. Right? So there's a difference between distinction and separation. That's the point he's trying to make. When when Jesus was hungry, we read in the Scriptures, right, where Jesus was hungry. That was what? A manifestation of His human nature. Jesus had a real stomach, that really need food. That needed real food. He got hungry, right? He he got tired. He got he perspired. He sweated, right? All these things that he did, like you and I do. Okay, our human bodies. All these are examples of his human nature. His fully human nature. So. When he said, in this case, about his hour of his return that he didn't know, this was a manifestation of his human nature, not his divine nature. So at this point, you might ask, well, okay, I'm tracking with you here. Uh, If that's true, then why in John's Gospel do we see Jesus possessing supernatural knowledge? 
Well, for, for example, right? Remember, he told Nathaniel uh, everything about him before they even met, if you remember, right? He, he knew all about the Samaritan woman at the well, didn't he? He knew all about her. They'd never met him before. He knew all about her. He could read what was in people's minds. He knew what they were going to say before they said it. So where did that knowledge come from? Well, it came as a result from the communication of the divine nature to the human nature. The divine nature told the human nature, communicated. Because the divine nature is is divine. It's omniscient, right? Jesus, fully God, has all knowledge. There's a point we need to make here, too, that um, even though Jesus' human nature was not omniscient, it was infallible. Now, and, and, and because there, there is a distinction, and this, this is why it's important. While there are some things that Jesus didn't know, everything He said, everything He taught was infallible, was perfect. Why? Because he, and that's kind of what Jesus is trying to say here. Everything he ever taught was not based on his own human insight. It was based on what? What his father had revealed to him. So, the debate between Jesus and the authorities was about his credentials. Right? That's what it was about. And so they basically ask him, hey, where do you get your degree? What institution did you study at? Who did you study under? And basically Jesus says what? I brought my diploma with me from heaven. That's basically what Jesus is saying. I brought mine with me from heaven. That's where I came from. I brought it with me from heaven. I don't teach anything on my own. My doctrine comes from the Father Himself. If you, Jesus could say, if you want to hear and you want to know the will of God, then you should listen to every word that I say. What did, what did the Father say about the Son on the Mount of Transfiguration? What were His words? It was audible. The Father was heard audibly, right? With witnesses. What did He say? This is my beloved Son, comma, Hear Him. Listen to Him. The Father Himself testified to the authority of Jesus and His teaching. So then John John tells us this. uh, Then John tells us that this is what Jesus said in verse 19. He says, Did not Moses give you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. Why do you seek to kill me? Okay, if, if, if Jesus was just another religious fake, a pretender, right? Then the world probably would have never reacted with so much hatred. Since, since because the evil world system loves its own. It loves evil. But its hatred towards Jesus demonstrates that He's true he's from god the world hates him and so then the people replied in verse 20 to his question 
Uh, he said, he said, he said uh, why do you seek to kill me? Basically, they said, what? You have a demon. Who is seeking to kill you? What do they mean by that? What do they mean by, you have a demon? They meant this. You must be out of your mind. That's what they were saying. You're out of your mind. You must be demon-possessed. No one's trying to kill you, Jesus. Well, we know that they are playing games at this point. They were denying their own hostile intentions. We know many of them did. But, but the fact that Jesus pointed out they failed to keep the law is what He said, right? They failed to keep the law. What did that do? That just made them even more mad. Right? Even more mad here at this point. So Jesus turns the tables here. In verses uh, 21, second half of 21 to 24. Jesus said, I did one work, and you all marvel. He's referring, he was referring to remember to the man that he made well on the Sabbath. I did one work. I healed a man on the Sabbath, and you all marvel. Moses therefore gave you circumcision. Not that it is from Moses, but from the fathers. And you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath, so that the law of Moses should not be broken, are you angry with me because I made a man completely well on the Sabbath? Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. Okay, so what's Jesus doing here? In other words, Jesus is saying, you are sitting here questioning my credentials while you are hiding behind the law of Moses. That's what Jesus is saying. You, you, you say that you are disciples of Moses and therefore students of the law. Well, where did circumcision come from? It didn't come from Moses. It came from those before him, didn't it? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses didn't invent circumcision. Why did Jesus bring this up? Why is he here? Why is he using this as an illustration or or a, a, a point of his discussion. Well, let's let's go let's go there for a minute to answer the question. Why did Jesus bring this up? Okay, we know about circumcision. We know that the law of Moses requires that every infant boy, male child, be circumcised eight days after birth. That's in Leviticus twelve three. But here's the question: What if the eighth day fell on the Sabbath? Was it postponed? Did we wait until the next day? The answer is no. If the eighth day fell on a Sabbath, then the law required the circumcision to be done on the Sabbath. So if the law of Moses requires this sign of wellness or our cleansing, right? That's, that's what the point of circumcision was, right? Well, and it's cleansing, right? If if the law of Moses required this sign to be done on Sabbath, then how can these religious leaders, these Jewish leaders, object when a man, when a Jesus completely healed a man on the Sabbath? Do you see the similarities here? The sign of circumcision, right? Wellness, cleansing, right? That's that's that was kind of the the the, the some of the meanings behind it. 
So Jesus was saying, if it's okay for you to do that on the Sabbath, why can't I completely heal a man? I did way more than, than circumcise him, and I completely healed him on the Sabbath. What's the difference? This was, this was a classic argumentation, right? Not, not in the abusive sense where you get heated and you argue with people, because to argue is a good, is a good thing, right? Argue in a, in, a, in a way that you can debate, right? Argument. That, that is, uh, we often um, think of argument, we think of a negative connotation. But here, it's not from the negative sense, it's from the logical sense. Okay, Jesus is trying to make a logical argument. There's nothing wrong with that. Have you ever found yourself uh, just trying to, to you, you say I'm in an argument, but I'm, I'm, I'm debating the logic of a particular issue. That's helpful, isn't it? And there's a way to do that without getting all mad at everybody, right? We can, we can do that. So that's, that's, that's what Jesus is doing. He's, he's arguing from the logical sense. He's, he used an argument that we would describe as going from the lesser to the greater. Okay, from the lesser to the greater. So this is basically what Jesus said. If, if ceremonial cleansing, circumcision, okay, one part of the body is permitted on the Sabbath, that would be the lesser thing, right? That's a lesser thing. Then how much more should the actual healing of the entire body be permitted on the Sabbath? That's the greater thing. Do you see his argument? If the lesser is okay, then why not the greater? Because I'm doing the same thing here. Much I'm actually doing a much greater work than the work of circumcision. What do you see Jesus in, in the way that Jesus can do? Jesus, Jesus took man's foolishness to its logical conclusion. And He showed that He was not the one that violated the Sabbath, but they, in fact, are the ones who violated the Sabbath. Despite all their great knowledge, right? Despite... Their academic credentials, despite the diplomas, despite all these things, all this knowledge that they said they had, they were ignorant of the things of God. Hmm. Jason, yes, sir. Thing here, do you see the distinction between the two? The miracle in John five, where he heals the man who was laying outside the pool and couldn't get to it. And Jesus said, do you want to be made well? And he says, well, there's nobody here. Everybody jumps in the pool before I get in, and nobody will help get me in. And so he heals him. And then later on they ask him, well, who did this? Which which one of these sinners took mm-hmm. him to the pool? Mm-hmm. And Jesus is the one who did it, but he didn't tell them who he was. And then later on Jesus goes and says, I'm the one who did it. Go and, and sin no more so that a worse thing doesn't happen to you. Are, do you see a connection between Jesus not only doing physical healing, but that he also gave him spiritual life that he mm. didn't have? Definitely a connection there. Okay. I just wondered what Dr. Sproul said. It seemed like they wouldn't be, I don't know, they'd be too worked up if, if Jesus was only claiming to have helped him to get physically better. But if he's saying, I can make a man spiritually whole, I can give him the reality of the circumcision covenant and do it on the Sabbath, then then there's fighting words there in a sense. Right. Right. Actually, Dr. Paul didn't really address that, to okay. be honest with you. Um, 
he didn't address that that nuance of what you're talking about. Um, I can see where, yeah, that would definitely need to be a probably we could dig a little deeper. Um, but uh, he's from what I gathered between reading uh, Sproul and uh, Calvin, none of them really made that distinction. I okay. guess um, they were just kind of focusing on the physical healing okay. at this point. Any other questions before we move on? Please feel free if you if if you have a question, you don't have to raise your hand, just speak up or whatever. It's okay to do that. Has anybody got any questions at this point? You feel free to stop me. Okay. One thing before we move on to the rest of these verses, the last thing Jesus said here, he said in G, in verse twenty four, he says, "Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment." If you see what he says. He's what is Jesus doing? He is he is warning them. He is uh, holding them accountable for this this judgment that is basically comes from a heart of self righteous legalism. That's what Jesus is saying. That's where this heart is coming from, right? It, and and so he's he's um, telling them you need to you're coming from a legalistic standpoint. You better be careful um, because you need to understand and you need to practice. You need to seek after. You need to pray for moral and theological discernment. Right? That, that's that's Jesus' point here in that verse. Don't judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. Use moral and theological discernment when you are coming to people and judging people like this. Well, the Jewish leaders hesitated uh, to take action. Why? Because they were fearful of the public uh, reaction. Um, and that just generated more questions from the people. So here in verse 25 to 26, it says, Now some of them from Jerusalem said, Is this not he whom they seek to kill? But look, he speaks boldly. They say nothing to him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is truly the Christ? So the leaders in action, okay, cause the people to speculate whether Jesus was the Messiah or not. So uh, the, 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 when it comes to the, do the rulers know indeed that the, 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 that's the question, right? Do the rulers know indeed? That's, that's what they were asking about the people. The question indicates that the crowds... And the rulers were in confusion. Right? There was some uncertainty about who Jesus was and, and what, what to even do about Him. Um, they, were, they were perplexed. Right? Some of the people were perplexed at the religious leader's failure to arrest and silence Him. If, if He's a fraud, why, why haven't you done what... If he, all these things are, are, are lies, then why haven't you arrested Him? Why haven't you silenced Him? So what we see is confusion. Okay, from all the groups regarding Jesus and who he was, or who he is, and why he's there, and and they 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 go on here in verse twenty seven because they talk about a problem, right? Because they they know where the, where Jesus is from. It says in verse twenty seven, it says, "However, we know where this man's from, but when the Christ comes, no one knows where he's from." Okay, let's let's look at that a little bit closer. They knew Jesus was from Galilee. And the Messiah is to be born from Bethlehem or, as some traditions held, of unknown region. Okay? Um, so there had been some, some traditions of man that kind of developed that when the Christ came that no one would know where he was from. 
when the Messiah came, that, that, that no one, he, they wouldn't have any idea, right? He'd come from unknown. Well, Jesus, his origins were known, right? So Jesus didn't fit into either one of those. So, so they're, again, they're, they're kind of, wait a minute, I, I'm not sure if this, um, we're tracking here. So, so Jesus replies in verses 28 to 29, says, Then Jesus cried out as he taught in the temple, saying, You both know me, and you know where I'm from. And I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true, whom you do not know. But I know him, for I am from him, and he sent me. Ultimately, right, Jesus is not from Bethlehem. He's not from Galilee, right? He came from where? He came from the Father. That's where he's from. And so his point uh, that he's trying to make with the people is they need to listen to his teaching and look to his miracles rather than look to his family tree. Where are you born? Right? You're missing the point here. Right? You're missing the point here. In essence, Jesus was saying, you want to give me an exam in theology? Do you want to examine me? We, we've, we, we go to Presbytery, right? We see these examinations. There are At Presbytery, we see an abbreviated version. right? The, the candidates come and they do an examination, a more thorough examination before a committee. But then you go to Presbytery, you see an abbreviated version, right? So that's, that's what Jesus is saying. You, you want to ask, ask me anything. What do you want to know? Go ahead. You want to examine me? Go ahead. Give me the test. I know the Father, but I don't know Him from a distance. I came from Him. He sent me. Now, do you hear uh, a little bit of a a warning here? When you're talking about hearing Him. You can say it this way. If... If you want, hear the one. If, if you won't, W-O-N apostrophe T, if you will not hear the one whom God the Father has sent, then who will you hear? Who will you listen to? If you won't listen to the one who came from the Father, then who are you going to listen to? Hmm. We, we need to hear that warning today, don't we? We need to hear that. When we, when we hear the teaching of Jesus from the pages of Scripture, we pray for the same response of Samuel. What, what did Samuel respond when the Lord was calling? What did Samuel say? Speak, Lord. Your servant hears. I'm listening. I hear. Hmm. Verses uh, 30 through 31, it says, Therefore they sought to take him. But no one laid a hand on him, because his hour had not yet come. And many of the people believed in him and said, When the Christ comes, will he do more signs than these, which this man has done? Look at that, that first part of it. They sought to take him, but no one laid a hand on him. Why? Because his hour had not yet come. This this reveals the reason why they could not seize him. Why? What's the reason? God's sovereign timeline and His plan would not allow it. That's the reason. It's not time yet. 
Who's in charge? God is. God the Father is sovereign. They were not able to lay a hand on him because it wasn't the time yet. Jesus, the, fa- the Father in heaven, is orchestrating all these events according to his own sovereignty, his own divine plan, and now is not the time. And that's the reason why. They um, still had this division about among the people about Jesus, about who he was and who he is. And they still are not... Uh, they just still don't, there's just confusion there. While, while they wanted to seize him, some of them did. It says a small remnant of believers existed among the crowds. There were many who believed, is what it says. Now this this question here, uh, it says that many people believed in him and said, they asked this question, when the Christ comes, will he do more signs than these, which the man has done? What is, what is that? What kind of question is that? It's actually like a rhetorical question, isn't it? It's what they're saying. It's a, it, the question here, again, it's more of a rhetorical question. It anticipates a negative answer. Basically, they're saying, the Messiah is not going to do anything greater than what this guy's done, this man's done. Is, is the Messiah going to do greater things? The answer is no. So what, what is that? Again, it's a rhetorical question. Um, this man does the things, the signs, the miracles of the Messiah. So it's obvious that many people did believe, but many were still convicted and not sure about who he was. Any, I have come to the end of um, my piece of this. Any questions or any comments? We have, amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for our time. Father, now as we leave our time of Sunday school, Father, prepare our hearts for our worship service. Be with be with our pastor as he brings uh, the word, as he leads us in prayer and singing and the preaching of the word. Father, bring your uh, word with power and authority today. Father, will you use our pastor as your mouthpiece today? Um, Father, pray that we would con- be convicted of sin. Father, be reminded of the graciousness that is offered to us in the gospel. And pray that we will be changed uh, today because we were here. We ask these things in your name. Amen.